Well, I, I, I really agree with you. And, and I think historically there hasn't been that level of respect for the position of carer. Like there's no recognised career path. So if you join as a carer today and work for five years, your terms and conditions don't really improve over that period. Um, like if you take on additional uh, skills or training or whatever, in my opinion, that should be all part of the career plan and, and people should be remunerated for that. That doesn't happen. And, and when I was in my role in, in the National Community Care Network, we really pushed for that. But I, I, think, I think it's a very complex situation. The, the whole hospitals thing, that has blown up now. Yeah. And 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 I, I I think it was Colm Henry who said there during the week uh, of the HSE mm. essentially said that we cannot we cannot continue to to focus just on a silo basis. So just thinking about the hospitals and not thinking about community, the care side of uh, in community, because one affects the other. And I've said this mm. before on Claire FM. If you don't have the carers, you can't discharge from the hospitals. People who are ready to go home, where do they go? And I know people like Ty Daly wants them all to go into nursing homes, but frankly speaking, most older people don't want to go into nursing homes. They want to go home. And Which is uh, un- completely understandable. 100%. 100% back the idea of stay at home as long as you can. Yeah. And, so, so, and you need carers to do that. And if you if you then want to recruit the carers, because there's very few uh, young people coming into the care force, and the reality is that you have retirements and people are burnt out, so they're retiring. They're they're not hanging on those extra few years like they did for many years in the past. And I guess not to generalise, but you know you would expect someone who is younger has more vim and vigour and energy about them. And this is a job that strikes me, Faker, as one where you need a lot of energy, both physically and mentally, and not being able to attract that a significant numbers from that cohort yes. uh, it must be a very, very I, extreme, extremely difficult situation for, it, you know, it, to it have had a, to deal it, with. It is a difficult situation, but, but from my, my personal experience when I ran ClearCare, the, the experienced carers, they were ahead of the posse. Hmm. Okay, the blend between young energy and, 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 and experience, that was the ideal. Um, you would not want uh, a complete cohort of young people and nothing against young people. It would be great to have more of them in it. But the blend is what works and, and the exchange of experiences because w- the strengths of one complements the weakness of somebody else and, and, yeah. and, and that worked really well. But, but I think we have a major issue now and we have lobbied for that in my previous role to get political uh, I suppose, attention to the situation. And as a result, the the Minister, um, Mary Butler, they issued a thousand, or are issuing a thousand visas for non-EU people to come in. But a thousand is nothing. Now, we have been told that uh, if the thousand works, there's room for more. But to be honest... If a thousand is nothing, though, Fikr, I mean, how many do you reckon need to address the, well, the I, issue of the, the number of people over 6,000 well, non-home care waiting lists. I know lists. in NCCN alone there are 1,000 vacancies. Hmm. So, 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 so you can multiply that yeah. by significant numbers. But I also know that the HSE themselves have difficulty to recruit. 
and they have deeper pockets. So why now has has the carer role become unattractive? And I think I think a lot of the time was people were taken for granted. And just on that then, because the the last number of times you were in with us, uh, Figure it was in relation to the at those points in time, hmm. non-payment of the €1,000 special right. pandemic right. recognition bonus payment. And the more times you came in and it hadn't been paid, you went from hopeful to frustrated to, to angry. It is going to be paid now. But each time you were in, you know, you spoke about the, I suppose, the perception that, you know, the, the, those work, for, certainly for the private companies, weren't respected or that their massive efforts weren't being appreciated. And, you know, the, the yeah. having to, OK, the money's coming now, but the having to chase something that should have been just given as a, a recognition of the huge work that was being done as another kind of deterrent, I guess. And a big, big story. Those who might have been looking to become home care workers would have seen that and maybe thought twice about entering the sector. I think I think from initially being a very attractive and, and a, a really positive initiative, it needed to be paid promptly yeah. to recognise what the carers did, particularly in the early days of COVID. And the fact that it's a year later from when they announced it, that's ridiculous. There is no, there is no justification for that, and I think you're right. It probably deterred people from. If that's the way they're treated, why would you go in? But I, I think we we have to have, we have to have a change in the policy. And I'm not a politician, nor do I wish to be. the The reality is that there's very much siloed thinking. So the the, hot, the, the hotels I was going to say, the the hospitals they operate in one silo, the community care operates in another silo. There's no real integration about, so how do we sit down at the table and design a plan? Because it was very interesting for me, for instance, during last week, when a representative from Waterford Hospital was on, who basically said no trolleys and waiting lists. And why? Because they managed it in a way, they put all the, the stakeholders at the table and said, this is going to be our plan, any ideas? And and uh, and they, and it seems to work. Now, if they can do it in one place, why can't they do it everywhere in all those? Uh, I'm sure, everyone listening will be be wondering that. Um, one suggestion to to tackle the situation is for the social welfare limits to be increased to allow carers to do additional hours without it affecting their their current payments. Would do you think that would have an impact on the the the, the current difficulties in meeting demand? I have absolutely no doubt. I raised this when. What was her name? Mary, you know, a previous minister for health. Mary Harney. Mary Harney was the minister. Now think back that far. I raised this as an issue to address carers and availability of carers because a lot of the work of carers is part-time. And look where we are now, years later, and it has been raised repeatedly and we're told you can't really do it because other sectors would then complain. But other sectors are not working in the health industry and there isn't that urgency. And definitely, if there, if there was the will at the highest level, then this could be done. But those two departments don't sit down together and see, could we do something? Hmm. It's, all about, it's all about getting people together and you need leadership to do that. 
so I suppose does leadership feed into perhaps your response to how long you think it would take to overhaul the system so that it meets the demands of the country I mean you're using the situation in Waterford as an example where there was a positive outcome or a positive impact is that a big way to, to, to try and overhaul the system bringing the relevant stakeholders together and knocking some heads together until some I, I, solutions I think, are come up with I think that's the way forward people have to cooperate because uh, people are doing their own thing and they're not necessarily, there isn't any integration in the, to address the situation. And I think if they, if they started to do that, but that, that needs to be led from on high, like minister or whoever, but, but needs to push it. And they don't. And they haven't. Now, there have been a couple of initiatives, like there's, there's what they call a Pathfinder initiative, which has been set up in Waterford, interestingly enough, in Talla, and now in Limerick. And that is a kind of a rapid response team that can go out to a case, or, or particularly of older people, and basically treat them at home and maybe keep a care system in there for a couple of weeks to get them over a problem. And I don't see why that couldn't be rolled out across the whole country. Mm. You know, because then they don't have to go access the acute hospital. And we wouldn't we could we maybe wouldn't remove totally the trolleys but we could significantly reduce it but people have to talk they have to get at the same table and somebody has to take the responsibility to to get them there and that's not happening what is your view on the suggestion that families should be given personal budgets directly <coughs> that would then allow them to make the choices on their care needs perhaps they you know they're the ones dealing with the situation with a family member. Maybe they're the ones who know best. I think there's there's an argument for it, definitely. I I, I wouldn't be rushing into it because I, I think we have to face up to the fact that society has changed and that in many households, uh, both, both members of a couple or whoever are working and the older person is at home, maybe in a different house, maybe yeah. in the same house. So the theory that they could do it then and be paid for doing it, I'd, I'd put a little question mark on it. I, I really would. But, but I, I do think that there is potential. Like, the, the fix for this is not one, one action. The fix for this is a multiplicity of actions. But to kickstart all that, you need to get the stakeholders sitting at the same table in every jurisdiction, in every community healthcare office, in CHO or whatever. You need to get them sitting together. And there doesn't seem to be any will for that. Do you predict then, Faker, that the situation could improve with regard to the wait time to access home help or could it head in the opposite direction? I, I would love to say I, I, I see it improving, but I honestly don't. I don't. And uh, I think it's not for the want of trying like people like me and, and, and not just me, others across the home care provider situation have been very actively trying to change. Now, there, there has definitely been an improvement in the, in the interactions between the likes of the HSE, the Department of Health and the private side of things, be the voluntary or commercial. That has definitely improved and that is going to lead to things change, positive change. But it's slow. It requires that both parties commit fully to it. It requires probably that there's more money. 
But a lot of the time, and if I understand the Waterford situation, the hospital there, it doesn't necessarily mean more money into that hospital. It means a better organised service, a plan. Like there is no workforce plan for, for recruiting carers. There isn't. In any in anybody, there isn't. And and there needs to be. Okay, that's like, just, just I do a, yeah. think there are, like we're in a difficult situation because now, particularly in Ireland, there's a shortage of of uh, people looking for work, whether it's caring work or not. But caring work fitted the model of of Ireland in the sense that a lot of a lot of people, particularly women, had time on their hands when they dropped the kids to school and they did a bit of housework or whatever. And, I don't, and I'm not belittling that. But they had a willingness as well to give a few hours and get uh, some money out of it. The difficulty arose, as you said rightly there, the social welfare payments were then going to be stopped if a person worked for an hour or two. But society in general is losing by that arrangement. 